episode 478. What personality bird are you? And do you use it to step into your power? With Merrick Rosenberg. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to land your TEDx talk in 90 days or less without wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there, talkaccelerator.com forward slash masterclass. That's talkxcelerator.com. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. All links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes at ayalpha.com. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Okay, this week we're going to be talking about all about personality. We've got Merrick Rosenberger on the line. He's a keynote speaker and thought leader on personality styles and team development. He co-founded Team Builders Plus in 1991 and Take Flight Learning in 2012. He's the author of Chameleon and the co-author of Taking Flight. He's been a very busy man, doing lots of interviews recently with the election in 2020. He's taught more than 100,000 people how to incorporate their personality styles into their work and lives. He's done lots of cool things. I'm excited to jump into this. Merrick, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I am ready. Thanks for having me, Adam. No worries. So I didn't want to take up the whole interview with your introduction. So is there anything else you'd like to add or highlight? Obviously, I didn't put it all on there. What are you all about at the moment? It's really about teaching people how to use their personality to step into their power and become the highest version of themselves. And, and that plays out at work and it plays out at home. Personality plays out in everything we do. Yes. And to people who are obviously going to listen to us on the podcast, you've got a lovely background behind you. You've got an owl and an eagle. I think you've got, is that a dove? And then what's that? Is that a parrot behind you as well? Very colorful. And I know that ties into your books as well, Taking Flight. Talk to us a little bit briefly about what is the significance of the birds behind you? Well, so many people over the years have talked about personality. We've broken them into all different styles and types. I just wanted to make it easy. So birds are visual. We, we get it. I mean, if you think about someone who's an eagle, we think of them as confident and take charge and assertive. Whereas the dove is just more soft-spoken and caring, compassionate. They just want everyone to get along. You've got parrots. They are fun, charismatic, animated, very social and talkative. And then owls, they're logical, they're, they're analytical, detail-oriented. They're going to do something. They have a plan. They do it right. Uh, and we all have all four of these in us, but there's probably one or two which are like home base for you. Definitely. So this is quite, uh, in some ways, I'm sure you didn't plan to do this when you were younger. Tell us briefly about your origins. Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? And like, how did you get into this line of work? I, I'm in New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I started one of the first team building companies in the United States back in 91. And I, I was originally, I was working as a management consultant. I was restructuring workflow and reorganizing processes. And I realized very quickly, you can redesign a department 
But if they don't like each other and they don't get along and the place is toxic and they don't feel like their manager is leading them, then what are you doing? Are you really making an impact? And so I went back on MBA and organizational behavior. While I was there, I discovered team building. Uh, it was just in its infancy, there were literally a half a dozen team building companies in the United States at that time. And I thought, I could do this. I, I could get paid to have fun and teach people how to work together. And shortly after that, I discovered the personality styles and I thought that is where it's at. It's really about increasing our self-awareness and helping people to understand how they're impacting the people in their lives. Well, let's dive into that. So for those who are listening, who are probably wondering what maybe what kind of personality style they are, or they recognize themselves when you sort of talked about the different types of birds. I mean, how can we make that practical? How can we make that useful? What are some things to you know, be aware of and maybe uh, lean towards, avoid? I mean, over to you. The most important thing is that we can't impose our personality on others. And we do that all the time because we have this underlying assumption that if I like something, then other people will like it. If I need something, other people will need it. I'll give you an example. You take someone who's an owl. And if you're an owl, you probably like data. You want a lot of information. You need details to make a decision. But let's say you're talking to a parrot. Maybe you're a salesperson trying to sell a parrot and you provide statistics and charts and data and analysis. And the parrot's like, I, you know, I don't really need all that. I just want to <laughs> test it out, put it yeah. in my hand. Let me see what you got. And, and what, what happens is when we impose our style on others, that other person does not get their needs met. And we just don't create connections in our relationships. Salespeople don't sell them. Leaders can't lead them. But if we honor the people around us for who they are and we flex to their style, then we're creating those connections. We're building rapport and people get their needs met. And the cool thing is when they get their needs met, you get your needs met too. When someone isn't like really massively obvious or the classic style and how how do you find out or how do you get inclinations and you know and how long does it take you because like you say some of the scenarios it might be you might not really know that person too well i mean what are your thoughts around that so it's sort of for everyday life so you can be yeah a bit more conscious you know i always joke i say my, my kids when they were six years old a waiter or waitress could come by take our drink order and they would be like that person is a parrot <laughs> that is an eagle in seconds. And I'll, I'll give you an example, just kind of visually, but also even if you can't see it and just hear it, you can hear the difference in tone. If I walked up to you, we'll, 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 we'll see what you think. See if you can figure out which style I am in this moment. If I walked up to you and I said, hi there, nice to meet you, Merrick Rosenberg. Sound what like style? <laughs> you just feel it, right? You just get it. But if I, I said to like you- like you had your hands on your hips. Right? You can feel the power of the eagle. Yeah. But if I said to you, hi, how are you? It's so nice to meet you. Merrick Rosenberg, welcome. Dove. Sound feel like it dove. instantly. Yeah. How about this one? <laughs> hey, how are you? Great to meet you. Merrick Rosenberg. Parrot. Right? So instantly you have it. It's a blink awareness. Yeah. Hello, Merrick Rosenberg. Nice to meet you. Yeah, last one. You sound very data orientated, very down line. It's yes, the owl. And yeah, that's the wise. beauty, right? <laughs> you've, you've known the birds for two minutes and all of a sudden you're like, I can read style. And that's the power of what we're talking about. I mean, you could see it in an email. Eagle emails are just direct and right to the point. Parrots, an abundance of exclamation points because everything's exciting. <laughs> Doves, 
Hi, how I, are I you? I do have to limit. Well. I do edit and make sure. I'm like, I can't put that many. I like removing exclamation points. Carrots <laughs> have to do like an exclamation point sweep afterwards to make sure they have not used too many. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes, sometimes a parrot writes a sentence. They're so excited. So they put an exclamation point. But then they realize the next sentence is even more exciting. Yeah. So they go like, back, yeah, make it a period. Yeah, you can't be that excited about every sentence. <laughs> yeah, then you put one as a period, then you make the second one the exclamation point. <laughs> exactly, and, and owl emails, long, detailed charts, graphs, bullets, attachments. You can read someone's style very, very fast. I mean, you're just getting it and you already can do it. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. If we make it visual, it's easy. Awesome. This is my Yoda question. Who helped awaken your alpha? Who had an impact in you, whether from afar, when you're getting into the overseas team building or just some, you know, someone who helped you um, get where you are today? Uh, you know, sometimes you learn from the opposite example of what you don't <laughs> oh, want <definitely>. to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I will tell you, the very first manager I ever had was a micromanager, was very tox toxic, was mm. very dysfunctional. And, and I learned from watching how he impacted the people around him and the lack of loyalty and the communication. They never told him anything. And I thought, that's a problem. Like, I want to fix that. I don't ever want to be that. And, and I think actually he inspired me in a kind of opposite way to say, I don't want to do that. In fact, I want to help people to not be like that, to, to step into their power as leaders and create loyalty. So sometimes we learn from that beautiful shining example and sometimes it's, it's the opposite. And I think for me, that's what it was. Talk about stepping into your power there and when people are aware of their personality trait, how can they use it to their best effect? I know we're talking about you know, dealing with other people, but for themselves as well. Uh, we talk, <laughs> talk about like editing your own emails and stuff as a very simple example, but how can you really you know, make the most of your personality trait? Well, the first thing is to recognize that you want to be in a role that allows your personality to shine. In other words, if you're in a job where all day long you have to do things in which they, it doesn't match who you are, you go home exhausted. I mean, imagine a parrot being in a job where all day long they sit in a cubicle crunching data with zero human interaction. Yeah. At the end of the day... Look, I, my style's a parrot. I'm going to guess you've got some parrot energy in there. Mm -hmm. It would just be exhausting. So you, you have to find a role that allows your personality to shine. And when you are in a job that reflects who you are, you will go home every day energized. And, and if you're in a job where your personality is, is stifled, where you can't be that person that you want to be that feeds you, it will drain you. And so I think that's the key is, is you have to take a look at what you're doing and think to yourself, does it feed me or does it drain you? And if it drains you, then you're not being who you are. You can never be the highest version of yourself if your job exhausts you every day. And I'm curious to talk briefly about, you know, the, your book, The Chameleon, the first one. And when did you write that book? So, so actually, the very first one was Taking Flight, and that was in oh, 2012, so Taking Flight, right? Okay. And then The Chameleon came after that uh, in uh, two years ago, about 2000. Actually, I thought that was actually longer than that, about 2016. So Taking Flight was interesting because it was one long fable that introduced the four birds. Okay. And then the second half of the book, okay, now how do you apply it in your life? The Chameleon, I, I thought, okay, I wrote the one long fable. Now I want to have that little bite-sized wisdom. So yeah. it's a collection of 22 
short fables. I felt like the first was like a movie. Taking Flight was like yeah. writing a whole movie. Take, uh, the Chameleon was like writing a season of a sitcom with 22 episodes. In each episode, different things happen to them and they learn different lessons about their personality, how they interact. It's set in the woods with an eagle, parrot, dove, and owl. And there is that Yoda-like chameleon who is flexible and adaptable and understands ah. all four styles, teaches them about themselves. And, and then after each section, each fable, there's a chameleon wisdom section, which talks about, okay, now how do you apply the lesson of that fable in your life at work, as a spouse, as a parent in your life, not just the workplace book, because our personality, it's displayed everywhere we go. So I wanted people to be able to use the book holistically throughout every aspect of, the, of their world. And I know you've been in demand recently with the uh, elections. Don't want to date this interview too much, but you know, I'm sure we're not going to forget 2020 in any time soon. So why were people so interested in your opinion about you know, some of the people running, running for election? And what are your thoughts on some of these um, well-known figures out there and their personality uh, traits and yeah, what, what's your thought on, on all of the above? Well, I had this thought and just from working with so many leaders, I've worked with more than half the Fortune 100s and uh, 100 companies and I've worked with so many CEOs and I can see patterns of leadership. And I wondered if in presidential elections would big personalities, that outsized confidence of the eagle, that charisma of the parrot, would they win presidential elections, beating the more reserved doves and owls. So I started working back in time, mm -hmm. 22 elections in a row, the eagles and parrots beat the doves and owls every time they went against each other. The only time a dove or owl won was when they were going against another dove or an owl. And so yeah. I thought, I just wanted to share that with people. So I wrote personality wins, who will take the White House and how we know. Uh, it's not about politics. Uh, it's an exploration of how personality plays out in elections. And I wanted to, I wrote it for two reasons. I wanted people to see themselves in the presidency and the story of American presidents, just so it can teach themselves about, teach, pe teach people about themselves. But I also wanted to just put out there that maybe you are voting for personality and presidential elections are just one big personality contest. And we really don't care about ideology and platform and policy because year after year, it didn't matter whether we were in a, in, at war or peace or the economy was booming or there was one incumbent or two new, two new candidates, it made no difference. Personality won every single time, just over and over. And I just thought, thought that would be fascinating to share with people. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. Get this completely free 45-minute training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker. And you can jump over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass. Really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. I mean, my American history and politics is not up there. I haven't not been from this country for that long. So who are some maybe notable doves and eagles that have actually been, you know, going for it in the last, you know, in recent history? Sure. Well, if you take someone like Jimmy Carter, a very soft-spoken style, he was the dove. Now, mm -hmm. he won, but he was going against Ford, who was also a dove. All of a sudden, you bring in parrot energy of someone like uh, Ronald Reagan, and that big energy beat that more reserved style. Same thing happened, George H.W. Bush. Okay, he was an owl. 
he won going against Mike Dukakis, another owl. Then you bring in Clinton's charisma and energy and, and passion. And you know we know what happened. Bill Clinton, of course, won the day. And, and that just kept happening over and over. Anytime you have those big personalities, they beat the more reserved personalities. What has been one of the most challenging periods in your life? You know, when you really have to fight to awaken your alpha. And I'm curious about when you obviously took the leap to start your own business. Like you said, that wasn't, you know, a really established field at that point. Just wonder about, you know, your own journey. Yeah, that I think was the, that was the moment that was the most challenging. I had just gotten an MBA. Yeah, of course, my parents were like, go get a job. You just got an MBA. <laughs> get yourself a nice paying job. And I'm like, I want to start a company where I'm teaching people how to work together and they're playing games. And of course, everyone around me, from the accountant we went to to set up the company, to the lawyer that we went to to, to legally form the company, everybody we encountered thought we were crazy. Every single one of them. This was back in 1991 and we're still going strong. And, and years later, I remember going to the accountant, and he, the accountant and he said to me, you are my lesson. He said, I'll never forget that I discouraged you from starting the company and look at you now. Uh, and here we're, I'm based in New Jersey. Yeah. We had won New Jersey business of the year. Uh, we won one of the fastest growing companies in the Philadelphia region several times, best places to work several times. And he said to me, he goes, Every time I see you in the newspaper, I see you in a magazine winning another award, I say to myself, yeah, and I tried to discourage those guys. <laughs> and, and I think I remember one statement. I remembered reading something at that time. And I thought it was so true. It said, the difference between the unsuccessful entrepreneur and the successful entrepreneur was the unsuccessful entrepreneur thought they would be successful. The successful entrepreneur knew it. And I thought that was it because we knew it. I, I remember one summer we went, I went from uh, Memorial day to labor day without a single day off. I was working at my company nine to five every day. And I was delivering pizzas at night and my parents owned a children's store and I was working in their store and in the flea markets for them on the weekends, seven days a week, almost every single night of the week. And all my friends were like, like, you're crazy. You, you, you gotta go get a good job. What are you doing? Live life. You're working too hard. You're not enjoying life. And I said, no, I want to start this company. I'm going to make it. And then of course, three years later, all, all those same people looked at me and said, you are so lucky. You get to do what you love. You know how lucky you are? I'm like, totally lucky. Just, I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> but it was just about knowing that inner knowing, not a feeling, not just a belief, but a knowing that I will make it. And I believe that when you have that knowing, you will do whatever you need to do because you know it's going to happen. Now you just need to make it happen. And by the time this comes out, hopefully everyone will be kind of a bit more back to normal out there and stuff. How has the impact for your company been in 2020 and any challenges, um, obviously, looking, looking back on this year and uh, by the time this comes out? Yeah. Yeah, well, look, my organization, Take Flight Learning, we're a training company that delivers classroom-based training. Mm -hmm. You can see the challenge when you yes. can't be in a classroom. <laughs> uh, but quite honestly, those first few months were a little precarious. We had to figure out, and uh, the operative word, pivot, and we shifted our training to virtual training. We had always done a little bit of that as we had worked with people around the world, uh, but it wasn't the core business. We were delivering training with people getting together. But 
over the coming months, we, we really focused and, and transitioned everything we do to virtual. And it's, it's worked. Uh, I mean, it, I, it was a little scary at first, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it's not the business model. But as the world changed and as people began to accept that we can talk in Zoom and this can actually work, we, we did it. And uh, awesome. you know, we just kind of had to ride it out in the beginning. But, uh, but I think it just showed that when you have a great team of people who are committed, they were willing to do whatever they needed to do to make sure that the company made it. And we did. And when it goes back to as normal as it may, may be, the new normal, what do you think? I mean, do you think you'll go back to the original way or how do you feel that's going to look? I do not think it's just going to revert back to yeah. what it was before. I think many organizations are saying to themselves, we typically have run training pro programs in the classroom. And instead of flying a trainer across the country, paying for airfare, renting a conference room, paying for food, this actually works. I think yeah. that companies are going to do a lot more training that's virtually and it gives them more money to spend on training or other things as opposed to buying airline tickets and renting conference rooms and, and paying for hotels. So I think we're going to see a lot more virtual conferences. I think we're going to see a lot more virtual training even when this turns around. Definitely. And we made it to the alpha round. And I'd like to start that off with, is there a particular quote that is either an all-time favorite of yours or just really sums up your approach to life? Any spring to mind? I have a few that spring to mind. Um, I, I, one that I love is um, when you're 20 years old, you care about what, what people think about you. When you're 40 years old, you no longer care about what people think about you. <laughs> but when you're 60 years old, you realize nobody was thinking about you at all. <laughs> so just let it go. Be yourself. Stop worrying about what everyone else thinks about you because you're worrying about things that really just don't matter. Awesome. I like that. I think I needed to hear that one today. That was a good one. I've heard that one before. I love it. Um, and has there been a really impactful book for you? Maybe it's just something you read at the right time or it's just uh, one you like to recommend to people apart from your own. Of course. I have to go back a long time to, to pick one that I think made a, that was like a traje trajectory change for me. Uh, it was way of the peaceful warrior uh, by Dan Millman. Uh, I taught martial arts. I had my own martial arts karate school for uh, almost 30 years. Uh, wow, you kept that quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's like the other part of my life, you know. Yeah, when you're doing all these different things. <laughs> wow. uh, but, I, but I taught the martial arts as, as a spiritual art, not as a putting on gear and fighting in tournaments. Never did that. It was more about the only opponent you ever face is yourself, that you, you're always battling your self-imposed limitations. And, and to me, that's what the martial arts was about. And so that book just set that tone for me. It's not about fighting. It's not about battle. People think the martial arts is more about martial. Martial is an adjective. It's really an art. It's more, it's an art to teach you about yourself. And, and that book gave me that mental framework of, yeah, you know, we have to let go of, of all this other stuff. The only battle you're ever facing is against yourself. Definitely. And if people want to find out more about you and continue the conversation, what is the best way to connect with you? You can go to my company's website, takeflightlearning.com. And you can learn all about the keynote talks that I provide, the books that I have, and also the training programs that we bring into companies to teach people about themselves and their coworkers, their customers, how to sell using the birds, how to lead using the birds, how to create a great culture using the birds. Awesome. And from your network, having gone through the bulk of the interview now, 
when you think Awaken Your Alpha, who do you think would be a great interview? Does anyone spring to mind? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, oh, I'm going to have to think about that one. <laughs> you know, I, you know who I love? I, David Friedman is a, I, I've, I've, I've spoken at many events with David uh, and he talks all about how do you create culture in organizations? I, I think he, he awakens the alpha of a team, of a company. Uh, he does an amazing job at just helping companies to consciously and with intention to create culture as opposed to allowing culture to just happen. Uh, it's all about you can drive it and you create it. He's, he's done an amazing job. I think anybody who helps you to display your behaviors with conscious awareness, uh, to me, that is very powerful. And for anyone who's listening and they've maybe got a little team they work with or they're part of a team, well, is there any sort of practical way to I know we sort of, you did the example of, you know, your voices and, and, you know, I could tell, but is there any sort of more structured way that people can go about, okay, we're going to make a conscious effort to maybe identify certain personality traits in the group and how we can best work with them. I mean, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. I mean, first thing I always use a profile, so it's not just a randomly guess their style. I do yeah. use a personality assessment and that helps them. But I, I also tell them to, when you're forming a team, that it's not, it's not just who's in that room that is important, it's who's not in that room. So when you're, you're working on a project, you, you wanna look at and say, okay, we've got eagles, we've got parrots, we've got owls. Okay, what's, what's missing here? And if you're missing that style, maybe you need to hire someone, but maybe not. Maybe you just need to consciously say, okay, we're missing the owl. What does that mean for yeah. us? It what means we're gonna have to you, ask you, questions. Do you commonly find in, in many teams that they do have you know, all four? And, and what's the sort of balance or is, you know, is, is there that kind no. of ratio that you said that is more ideal or not? Or is it just very individual to a group? You know, what's interesting is that most departments are very skewed and heavy towards one or two styles. If I'm in finance and accounting, you're going to see a lot of owls. When I'm in sales, you tend to see a lot of parrots. I've gone to hospital systems. You tend to see eagles or the doctors. You tend to see doves or the nurses. Sometimes the job that you have draws you to that style. The one team, that is the most diverse team in the company. Also the most dysfunctional team in the company is typically the senior leadership team because they have the sales manager who's the parrot, the IT person who is the owl. They have people from all different departments and therefore they have a good mix. That is going to either be their greatest strength is their diversity, but if they're not aware of how to use the styles, it's often what, gets, what's, what basically gets in their way. And for running your own business, is there any sort of resources that you use that you think are really useful and they may be widely used or they might not be used in the way you use them? Is there anything that you think, actually, this is a good recommendation for other entrepreneurs running a company or just, you know, if they're solopreneurs as well? Yeah. You know, honestly, to me, it's really just about using the birds to think about the culture and who, what you're creating and how you're impacting your people. That they, using them not just for self-awareness, but use them as a tool to drive your success. And, and, and the one thing I always want leaders to understand is that your style does not determine how successful you will be. It determines how you go about being successful. And that to really awaken your alpha, you have to step into your power of your personality. I mean, look at Steve Jobs. He was an eagle, self-made billionaire. Richard Branson, parrot, self-made billionaire. Howard Schultz from Starbucks, the dove self-made billionaire, Bill Gates, the owl. It's not about trying to be what you think leadership should be. It's about 
being the leader in which your personality shines. Because all four of those people I just named are self-made, incredibly successful, led in very different ways, stepped into their own power. It's like they are awakening their alpha. If Bill Gates tried to be Richard Branson, he would have failed. If Steve Jobs would have tried to be the dove like Howard Schultz, he would have failed. But they were who they are, and that's what drove their success. Awesome. Well, that sounds like quite a good way to finish the show. But I wanted to just ask, is there one question you thought I would ask and you wished I'd ask? And when it comes to talking about personality, maybe interviewers always miss it. But from your point of view, it's glaringly obvious. Is there anything else you'd like to get across about the personality types? I would say, is, do your per does your personality ever work against you? Uh, is a question I often get, and I love that question. And, and let's let's, it, let's yeah, stick it to that one. I like that. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> it does. And the reason that sometimes our personality works against us is because we overuse our strengths. When you overuse your strengths, your strength becomes your weakness. Take the eagle. Take assertiveness. Dial it up too much, you become aggressive. Yeah. You take the parrot. They're optimistic. Dial it up too much. They're ungrounded. They're unrealistic. Take the dove. They're compassionate, they're caring, but it can become smothering. It's like the grandmother who's like, eat, here, take more food. No, I'm done. No, no, you take it. Here, bring it home with you. It's love, but it's too much. Yeah. The owl perfectionism can't make a decision. And so the key is not trying to change who you are. It's to use your style as a strength, but don't overuse it. When you overuse your strength, it's as if like your greatest asset, it's what could drive your greatest success becomes your greatest liability. So use your strengths, but don't overuse your strengths. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a great way to finish your show. Thank you so much for your time today, Merrick. Thank you for having me. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass and you can get this completely free 45-minute training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader in under 12 months without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.